Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. And today we recap week one of the NFL season. And it was one for the books. A lot of close games early on. A couple overtime games. A tie. One that should have been a tie. And much more later on in the late afternoon and evening games. We give our overreactions. We give our biggest storylines and what we think it means for the teams moving forward for the rest of the NFL season. We get into that and more here on the His and Hers podcast covering week one of the NFL season. All right, Paige, uh, a lot to cover. I, I wanted to kind of go through uh, to declare that the Packers are dead. Uh, Joe Burrow <laughs> is terrible uh, with five turnovers in the first half. Let me think. Uh, the, well, the Cowboys are dead. I don't know if that's much of an overreaction. Um, there's a lot to go through. The early window games uh, were very interesting. There's a lot of teams that got out to very slow starts. The Bengals end up losing at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers in overtime, a game that featured five turnovers, like I mentioned, from Joe Burrow. Lamar Jackson put the first week of his contract year and went out and showed out and beat the Jets, although how much is that really saying? The New England Patriots look absolutely dead against the Dolphins. Dolphins defense played exceptionally well. Uh, the Bears win in a monsoon and beat the San Francisco 49ers, the Soldier Field, which somehow had sod laid that week. And then a tornado, hurricane, monsoon came in, and they played it a slip and slide that they ended the game with. Uh, Baker Mayfield's revenge tour kind of fell short on the last-second field goal kick by Jacoby Brissett and the Browns, which finished with a very con controversial call that unless you live in Carolina, no one's really talking about. And I actually think the uh, officials got it wrong. I have that going into the storyline portion. Uh, and obviously it finishes with the Vikings beatdown of the Packers. Does Aaron Rodgers hate everyone in that organization, including Christian Watson? Um, the two-point attempt by Brian Dayball in his coaching debut to win. The Buccaneers put down the Cowboys and Dak gets hurt. And it finishes with Bronco Nation. Let's ride, falling short on a 64-yard field goal attempt in Nathaniel Hackett's debut. What a week. I mean. What a week. Football's what a week. back. Yeah. And it was a doozy. I felt like. Yeah, that, that, that AM plot. It was like football was back at its finest hour. NFL red zone during that morning slot at the very, at the fourth quarter was just the best thing ever. It's like this game, this game, this game, this game. Oh, we're going in overtime. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah, it was crazy. And there were some games that like even forgot about, um, you know, going into the fourth quarter of the Saints game. And I didn't even mention them. And the fourth quarter of the Colts-Houston game, both of the teams that won the game were down double digits going into the fourth quarter. So you hadn't seen them in like 40 minutes because there's so many other close games. And all of a sudden they bring it back and say, hey, uh, they're making drives towards the end of the game. It's like, what? What? Like how? Uh, and so it just kind of adds to the chaos. It <laughs> added to the chaos of the already close games. So overreactions page what were some of the staples that you uh you know you have after week one 
Yeah, I mean, let's just dive right in and get it out of the way. Let's talk about Packers Vikings. Uh, I think there's a lot to overreact to there, especially as biased Vikings fans. The Vikings looked really good. They looked awesome. Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, the running game. It just absolutely beautiful. It was a beauty to watch. Kevin O'Connell's game calling was so much fun. Justin Jefferson's insane yardage. It was just great. But I think that like, aside from the Vikings looking good, their defense looking good. I think the bigger takeaway from that game was the Packers. And I know that everyone is like, Oh, they'll figure it out. It's Aaron Rodgers. Everything will be fine. They lost to the saints last year, but I don't know if you can turn something around quickly with the attitude that Aaron Rodgers was portraying. Now, Aaron Rodgers has always had a bad attitude on the sidelines. You can always read exactly what he's thinking on his face. He's just a very easily read guy. But it was like watching a five-year-old pout to me. Like, it was insane to watch the way that he was behaving. Like, you think about it. He has these rookie wide receivers who came from smaller schools, They've never played in an NFL game before. They didn't have any preseason snaps with him. The nervousness of that. They're young kids. And the way he's treating them as if he they, he is like pissed off at them. They're going to make mistakes. Like I think Colin Coward said it perfectly like on Monday. It's like a parent doesn't get pissed off at their child for every little thing that they do their entire life. Because as a parent, you know that you have to like teach and train. And it's just mind blowing to me that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that mindset being one of the oldest guys in the league. You think that he would be like wanting to teach these guys. But he just seems to be pissed off about everything that they're doing. And so I'm just really intrigued to see this. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, like they're like the Packers will most likely be fine. If history repeats itself, they'll end with 13, 14 wins. But I do think it was really interesting to just see kind of like the collapse of him. He wouldn't he wouldn't target Watson after that obvious like that dropped catch first play. He wouldn't even look his way. And Matt LaFleur had to literally create a play for Watson to get back in the game in like the third quarter on that little pass, that little trick stance. And it's like, Rodgers won't even look at him until LaFleur basically says, you have to, you have to give this guy the ball to just build his confidence back up. And so I think it's really interesting to just see the way that the Packers behaved overall, but Aaron Rodgers, man. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. He's a very interesting dude. Um, I, I think that there's, I think there's something to be said about the last two years where they went 13 and three. Well, I think the last, you know, ever since the four took over, it went 13 and three, 13 and three, 13 and four and lost in the conference championship, conference championship, and then at home in the conference semifinals. I think that Rogers in, in kind of a roundabout way, you know, roundabout, but in a way that I could view it with his personality and what's been said about him is he just kind of was like, you know what? That was it. That was the last attempt to put together a, like a legitimate Super Bowl run where I have, you know, we're the best team. And a lot of ways people thought that they were the best team in the league in, in a lot of, you know, Super Bowl favor going into this year as well. And I think that defense will play a lot better. Uh, I think, I think what you'll see, you know, and obviously we're well noted biased Viking fans. So, I will be the first one to tell you that, but I think what you're going to see is that the Packers defense is really good, but the Vikings offense is going to be one of the league's best. And so it was kind of power, you know, strength on strength in that regard. What really surprised me was how, as you've mentioned, how inefficient the Packers offense was against the Minnesota Vikings defense. Um, 
So it's hard for me to react because I think that the Packers will be still one of the cream of the crops. But I think Rodgers got his money. He got his mega extension. You know, Devontae Adams is living his dream, being a Raider and losing on Sundays. I don't know what his appeal of that was. But in, in like, totality, he just kind of accepted, you know what, I'm never going to be Brady in terms of Super Bowl wins. But I have the greatest touchdown to interception ratio, the highest, you know, Q, QB rating percentage. You know, he doesn't like to make mistakes. He doesn't like to throw interceptions at all. Um, and he, you know, if you don't think he knows that that was his first interception since 2019 against the Lions, then you don't know Aaron Rodgers at all. Like that stuff matters to him. So yeah, I think his divisional opponent hadn't thrown an interception since 2019. Yeah. And like he knows at the end, you know, the last two years, he's thrown 40 touchdowns and like four or five interceptions. I think he finished with four last year. He cares about that stuff. That's why he doesn't really like taking those chances because he doesn't want to mess up his efficiency ratings. So kind of a long winded way to say I, I think they'll be fine, but also I hope they're not. And I could see <laughs> the mentality change in Rodgers where he's just like, look, I got three, two to three more years of this, maybe two. Let me collect another 90 million, put that in the bank, you know, make flashy throws and, you know, go off into the sunset because all of a sudden he's been doing a bunch of podcast appearances on all these different shows. He's been more available than I feel like he's ever been because I think he's just like, you know what? I'm kind of going to be stepping into this next part of my career. I better have my opinions out there and what people think of me and be more perceivable that way. So I better actually build some relationships with people. Yeah. yeah Cause <laughs> hasn't been really like me. No, not, not even with his family. Um, my, so to like you to be successful outside of football. Okay. <laughs> my overreaction for the day, uh, for the week, is that the Eagles are going to run away with the NFC East. Um, yeah. And Cowboys uh, play. No, the Cowboys stink. And then I guess like paired to that to make it the uh, as hot because I, I think that's not like necessarily like an overreaction I think people are even thinking that going into the year I said that in our preview pod I thought they were going to win the division but I think the commanders are going to be the team that's in second place um, I think if you look at both the Eagles game their defense didn't play super well but the offense put up 38 points which is really good to see but if you pair that with I think the commanders game against the Jaguars, that was like the perfect encapsulation of what Carson Wentz's entire game is like and what his career has been. First two drives of the season, two touchdown passes. I think they both were to the Dotson, the rookie. Maybe one of them was a Curtis Samuel. And then if goes downward, throws two back, and then the second half throws back-to-back -back interceptions. The Jaguars take the lead, and then he finishes with two touchdowns, some amazing throws, particularly the game winner, to give them the win. So I think that the, the commanders will make the playoffs, and I oh. think they'll finish second in the NFC East. Um, and I think that the, the Eagles will end up winning. I just think Jalen Hurts kind of looks like he's taking a good step in the right direction. Seems like he's making right decisions, running when he needs to, uh, making efficient, accurate throws. And A.J. Brown. The guy's a beast. I mean, 155 yards. I think he had 10 receptions. I think he kind of gives Jalen Hurts that guy on third and six, 37, a big body target to go after. So that'd be my overreaction. Eagles win the division. Commanders finish in second. They make the playoffs, and the Cowboys are going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, especially with Dak exiting for at least four weeks. Uh, oh, man, they might be on six by the time he comes back. Yeah, he's going to be crawling out of a hole. The whole time that he comes back. 
Awesome. No, I agree with that. I think that obviously the Eagles game, um, I had the Lions beating them, unfortunately. See, the Lions are going to be that team all season long that are, it's going to be like repeat of last year where they're like in every game that they play and then they're going to lose like eight games this year by three points. Oh, yeah. That's just I who the Lions are. I think I saw the stat last year that they won, they won three games, I think, last year. Um, but they covered four, like 12 or 14 of them. It was something in the – so they they never won – you know, they didn't win a ton of games, but they always – for the gamblers, they always were in the point spread. So they were just really good. And a lot of them are backdoor. Like this one, they were down by a couple scores, and they came – and they scored late in the fourth quarter to make it respectable on the box score. <laughs> so funny. I know. I'm like, they're just going to be – they're going to be in each game. I'm actually kind of glad that uh, the Eagles didn't uh, lose to the Lions because I think it gives the Vikings an even better chance of beating them on Monday Night Football, that they both have a win in their pocket. They don't have a little bit of vengeance going in because they're <laughs> um, – One game that I do want to talk about just because, obviously, it's Trey Lance and the whole 49er situation has been a big question for a lot of people. Um, and what a game that turned out to be, the torrential downpour that was happening in Chicago, as you mentioned at the start of the broadcast. Um, but curious about your thoughts on the 49ers. I know – and I have quite a few friends who are 49ers fans and in talking with them – it's interesting because the majority of them are really frustrated by the entire Trey Lance situation. And they don't, especially after Sunday's game, it's like they've lost all hope in Trey Lance and they're just pissed that they don't have Jimmy Garoppolo on the field. So it's interesting. Maybe that's just a small subset of the fans that I know, but it's interesting to see how much people are frustrated by my Kyle Shanahan's decision to play Trey Lance. And obviously when a team loses, it's easy for them to go, Oh, we should have had Jimmy G in there, but yeah. No, it's hard not to say that when you watch Trey Lance do some pretty dumb mistakes uh, in that first week opener. What's your overreaction from it? What's your stated overreaction? Well, I think I think that my stated overreaction to the 49ers is that for a team that has a roster that has all indications that it could win a Super Bowl, I think Kyle Shanahan tends to be a little bit of a like when he makes a decision, he sticks by it and he will not admit that he's wrong. And so I just foresee that he'll stick it out with Trey Lance for like a long time. I think by the end of the season, Jimmy G is going to be in that starter position because I think that Trey Lance is going to continue to disappoint. But I think Kyle Shanahan's going to wait so long to do it that the 49ers will not make the playoffs this year. Oh, boy. Well, that's my state overreaction. They lost to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, listen, there's a stat, and it kind of changes um, because of the 17 playoff format, but from like 1990 to 2019 during the 16 format, if you start 0-2, your chance to make the playoff went all the way down to 14%. Um, there had been like – I can't remember exactly the, the exact stats. I know that it's 14%. So – a lot of that, a lot of the times, if you start 0 and 1, that second week became a really pivotal game. And we've mentioned this before, but being Vikings fan the last couple of years, we've just seen when you start 0 and 2, how hard it is to get out of the hole. Cause even if you win week three, but you lose week four, you stand at one and three. And it just seems like you're always climbing and then falling and climbing. Now, the 17 format will probably raise that percentage just because you get another team that can sneak in with a nine and eight or, you know, whatever record. But I look at their schedule. They play at home against the Seahawks. And to me, there's actually chance of rain in this game, which I find kind of hilarious. Um, if you're looking at the weather report, just because it'd be pretty funny. Because a lot of the, where they go, it just rains on them. Rain every week. 
I mean, to see that weather in Chicago on September 11th is like, Crazy. wow, what kind of year is it going to be down there in, in Chicago? Um, but looking at their schedule, they play home against the Seahawks, and then they're in Denver at home against the Rams, in Carolina, home against the Falcons. If, they're, if they aren't one, two, if they aren't at least four and three, like, because you're going to Denver, like, it's not like a necessary easy place to play. So if you lose that one, but you're home against the Rams, you should beat the Panthers, Falcons, and Seahawks. So I'm saying if you're not sitting anywhere with three to four wins after that, I, I would be pretty concerned because if you're not beaten, as we've seen the Broncos play, but if you're not beating the Panthers, the Falcons, or the Seahawks, I mean, it's just going to be a long season. So I can see your overreaction there, and I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I think that I think I think Kyle Shanahan knows he's always coaching for his job. So by week six, they are underwater, and it's just you just tell that Trey Lance is overwhelmed. I don't think he'd have any problem swapping them out for Jimmy G. I think there's a reason why he's back. And I think Shanahan had that whole camp and realized, I don't know if this guy's ready for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe actually let's uh, give Jimmy G some money. and keep Six and a half million for a backup. <laughs> <laughs> nice gig. Such an interesting situation there with Jimmy G. Um, any other games that you have a big overreaction to that you want to state now or forever hold your peace? Oh, I got one more. Let's find the game. Oh, I mean, this one's easy. I, and I don't think there's a lot of people. But I think the Cardinals are going to finish below the Seahawks in their division. Oh. I I don't, I, um, you know, there's nothing on that team that gives me any type of, like, excitement. I'm not even, like, a massive Kyler Murray fan. I don't view him worth the money that he was just paid and guaranteed I, I i i think he's electric i think he makes big plays but i don't i don't view him in that upper echelon of quarterbacks there's certain things he doesn't do you know you could break down the film film yes and and exactly like if you pull up his film there's certain hot reads you're supposed to make if you have uh and obviously i don't know the offense but knowing football he got certain looks on the outside linebacker that's blitzing. There's a couple times against the Chiefs where he was just sacked off a free runner, and it's because he didn't have his tight end state to chip. He didn't have the offensive line set. Now, if you tell me that Cliff Kingsbury offense isn't that complex, so then it's like, okay, well, he needs to get out of there then too. So I, I just am not impressed by I think their defense is going to get tore up. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but also he made it look like he's playing – you know, back in the Big 12 with some of the throws and plays that they're running. So I, I think, think it's to uh, put Cliff Kingsbury uh, with Aaron Rodgers in a club that we don't necessarily like. So we're always going to take it uh, kind of take against them because we just don't believe in Cliff Kingsbury's ability as a coach. That's true. I mean, I because like over the last year, I've, I've developed like, you know what, Aaron Rodgers, like he's kind of grown on me a little bit just because he is How dare you? funny. He is funny to me. Um, I hate him as a football player. But I just think Cliff Kingsbury has never won anywhere he went, so I just don't understand why he keeps getting money and and like opportunities. And his offense is always about, like like talked about like it's some high power octane thing, and it's never been that. Like it just he had Patrick Mahomes in the Big Twelve in the Big Ten, no the Big Twelve, and he couldn't be above five hundred. You're telling me you're going to have a quarterback that's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer at Texas Tech? And you couldn't be above 500. Like that tells me anything I need to know. That's everything I need to know. 
Well, and also, I don't know. Let's talk about the other side of that football game, the Kansas City Chiefs, because Patrick Mahomes, what a what a football god that we have there. And don't you? I don't know. It's like sometimes I feel like I myself disrespect Patrick Mahomes, where it's like <laughs> I'm even like hot take. Chiefs are going to come in third in the division. They're not going to make the playoffs. I told you. I told you that was wild. Straight up, the moment you said that, I that was the dumbest thing I've heard. <laughs> but it's like, don't you think Patrick Mahomes, like out of out of all the players in the league, I think that he is the one that like people love, but they also love to like disrespect him in a way. Of it's like every single year we hear, oh yeah, Patrick Mahomes is over. It's like at what point do we just accept that Patrick Mahomes is like a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers style quarterback where we've talked about him for six years and we're going to be talking about him for 10 more because he goes out there against the Cardinals five, five touchdown passes. And not to mention the fact that I don't like everyone before that game. Well, not everyone, but I was listening to a lot of sports analysts are talking about how Cleef Kingsbury knows Patrick Mahomes. He's going to know how to play against him. Cardinals are going to come out ready to take on him. And then they just keep blitzing. And I'm like, how do you not understand that like blitzing against Patrick Mahomes is like the stupidest thing to do? That's when Patrick Mahomes is at his best is when teams blitz him, he gets out of the pocket and that's when he makes his huge plays. And so it's just so confusing to me why teams just continue to go out there and they're like, you know, it's going to be different this time. We're going to blitz Patrick Mahomes and we're going to be the team that beats him on that blitz. <laughs> well. You want to talk about like disrespect and that NFL top 100. We weren't doing this podcast when it came out, but there's a lot of parts about it that made me want to pull my hair out. Um. Anyway, <laughs> they were voted. He was voted number eight. Patrick Holmes was the eighth best player in the league. And I don't think any of these plays are slouches, but if you were, if you're telling me that starting a franchise today, you would take Devontae Adams, TJ Watt, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Aaron Rodgers, Tom, I mean, Aaron Donald, and Tom Brady now. I'm not saying, and, and I know you're not saying that, Aaron, you know, Patrick Mahomes is better than Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady historically. That's not the point. But today, he absolutely is the best player in the league. There's no one that influences a game more than Patrick Mahomes. And that's where the disrespect just gets like, I don't get it. I mean, he's not even like a jerk. I think he's a pretty cool dude by all Maybe accounts. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, they are they are annoying. She was spraying <laughs> champagne on people. That was one of the funniest videos. And maybe, you know, everyone down there didn't care, but I just think it's really funny that like, you know, you're at a game and also you look up, you're just Peasants. showered. Peasants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's the royal queen of Kansas City. I mean, <laughs> essentially, I think she'd be the closest thing to it. But uh, yeah, I think I think the Cardinals suck, and I think the Chiefs should be. I think I think the Chiefs should be favorites over the Bills just because they've done it. And I always feel like if you have a quarterback that's been there, done it, gone there twice, won one of them, he should be uh, put above anyone who's still trying to reach that pedestal. Once they become that, you know, it can be head and head. But right now, Josh Allen is the quarterback. Mahomes is. He's trying to be. Yeah, and it's kind of like this is like Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl season. Like this, if Josh Allen wins, then we can start comparing the two seasons that they've had in their Super Bowl runs. But right now, it's like there's so much love for Josh Allen and the Bills, and I get it. But it's also like just because we love Josh Allen and the Bills and other quarterbacks in the league doesn't mean we have to disrespect Patrick Mahomes, who currently is the greatest player in football. 
I think kind of not to do like a cross reference, but I think fans get bored with stuff that happens all the time. Like Tom Brady and the Patriots were loved at first back in 2001 because they, they never won a Super Bowl. We didn't know that the next 20 years were going to be hell of just watching them in every Super Bowl that I have in my youth. You know, and the same with like the Warriors when they first beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was, man, that is so cool. Steph Curry's awesome. And then five years later, I was like, I hate that guy. But then all of a sudden, they were the worst team in the league and then didn't make the playoffs. So then when they do it again this past year, it was like, Everybody oh, I'm cheering for, for Steph Curry again. Like he had two lifespans where everyone <laughs> – and there's still people that hate him. But it's just kind of funny because that's where we're at with the Chiefs. They, they've hosted four straight AFC championship games. They've been to two Super Bowls. Mahomes has been at the top of the top for – five four years now in a row everyone's bored of it josh allen's new he's exciting and that bills i mean the bills have never won it their own four just like the vikings so it's a new thing that's why everyone's infatuated with it. I, I think sports people are just hilarious because it just is a continual rotation of the best teams are loved and hated loved and hated so we just like variety we always root for the underdog in america <laughs> um so going to our picks from last week zach is sitting at right about 500 he went eight for eight on his picks um most notable losses from his picks i would say um obviously broncos um lost to the seahawks which was a bummer um steelers beat the Bengals. you got anything to say on the joe burrow situation i think the only thing i will say about the, that game is Joe Burrow just got off to such a slow start. And we saw that with a lot of teams, right? The Panthers, super slow start. Um, and so I think that, I don't know, it just kind of opens up that conversation of like, should these quarterbacks and O-lines be taking some snaps in the preseason so that they don't take three quarters to start playing football week one? You know, it's interesting. I think uh, you always play the results in that situation because on the flip side, the Vikings look pretty good and they didn't. And that was one of the big topics of the Kevin O'Connell training camp is there was really hardly any padded practices. Uh, the starters didn't play it like the main starters never played a snap in preseason. Uh, and so they were always, you know, a lot of guy people in Minnesota are wondering, is this team even going to be ready? And they looked very crisp, but very sharp. Everyone played and everyone is still healthy. I think the big so, I, but you know, in other in other situations, you're right. You know, I think it's just kind of playing the results type of thing. But an interesting stat is the quarterbacks out of all the eleven quarterbacks who started week one. So let me phrase this better: out of the thirty-two quarterbacks that started week one, eleven of them didn't play at all in the preseason. Didn't take one snap. Um, out of those eleven, it went, the starters went three and eight. So there is some stats to back where. where yeah, well, there's something to be said about playing in the preseason. I know a lot of players, former players, have spoken about it. I mean, even Tom Brady in year 27 in his 45-year-olds played the preseason. So I think there's a lot to be said. I think if you're dealing with new things, the Bengals were doing a new offensive line that didn't play together at all. So there's a lot of cohesiveness. They played a lot better in the second half than they did in the first. Um, and Burrow's timing, he just looked a little like a step slow. A lot of the throws seemed like they were just happening – one step too late. So there's nothing to be worried about. I just think, as you mentioned, um, I just think there's a little bit of time down the road to build up that chemistry to see, you know, see the the fruition come forth. But 
whether or not they need to do it, I think it's a case by case basis. But you know, it's always the people like you know Zach Wilson played in the preseason, tore his meniscus, and he's out the first four weeks. So everyone's like, why are you playing your starter in the preseason? I know there was Jeff fans that said it. So you just play the results and you hope that you're on the right side of it most of the time. <laughs> um, what did you think of the, the game I wanted to ask you about? Like about the Broncos. Do you think that loss was more of the Seahawks playing on emotion? Or are you bearing the Broncos? Because I know you were hiring them. Like you just mentioned, you put the Chiefs at third. Where are you putting the Broncos? Where's the worry meter? They play Texans at home this week. Is that a game where you say, is that a get right game? Or if they lose it, is it a panic meter button situation? Well, I'm still just reeling. I don't know. I understand rookie head coach and Nathaniel Hackett, but Russell Wilson is known for his like two minute fourth quarter comebacks and how you have Russell Wilson as your quarterback and you put the trust in a kicker to make a 64-yard field goal is beyond me. Give that ball to Russell Wilson, fourth and five. Because you don't want to know what? If he gets the first down, amazing. Then you're going to have a lot better field position for a field goal. You're going to score, and you're going to win. If he doesn't get it, people will still go, it's still the right call because it's Russell Wilson. It's just like if you have LeBron James or Kobe Bryant on your team, you're going to have them take the last minute shot in the fourth quarter with three seconds left instead of giving it to one of your rookies. Well, LeBron would pass it. So dumb. Uh, No, LeBron's going to take it and make it. And (laughs) if he misses it, you're still like, yeah, LeBron's the one that should have taken that shot because if the rookie misses it, then you're going to say, why in the world would you have the rookie take the last minute shot? So it's the same thing with the kicker situation. I understand we got a rookie head coach. And the one thing I do like is that Nathaniel Hackett really owned up to it in the in the post conferences after where he said like, yeah, I mean, you know, you make that decision in the moment. We talked about it. We talked about if we got to the 46 yard line, that's where we would like, that's all we needed. So we got there. So then we just went with kicking, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, you paid all this money for Russell Wilson to win you games like this one. And then you don't even trust him in the moment. And so I'm still just frustrated by that. But I mean, I just think it's one of those things. I think the Broncos are going to be fine. I think that it's just one of those like season it's week one it's a high emotion game you're going against the Seahawks at in Seattle and so I think that both teams like had some good plays it was fun but I think that the Broncos will get in their rhythm I think that Nathaniel Hackett's gonna find like his rhythm with play calling and I think the Broncos are ultimately going to be okay um Geno Smith like had his moment I would say I feel like that was probably a highlight. That game was probably the highlight of Geno Smith's career. And so it was, it was fun to see him kind of ball out and be excited and get some things done. But I just, I'm not overreacting too strongly to the Seahawks. Obviously, I think that if they win, if they lose this week, then it's going to be back to that same thing where we talked about we're climbing out of an 0 2 start. It's just really, really difficult to ever get ahead um, in the NFL. And so I'll be worried next week, not too worried yet. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, it is very interesting. Yeah, I think you put it very, you know, perfectly. It always makes me laugh because every time these coaches make the decisions, I'm like, D- did you guys ever play Madden? Like, how are these situations not like no? Because if I'm playing Madden, the moment I'm on fourth and four or fourth and five, I'm on the ball to run that second play because I had all three timeouts. And if I don't get it, I can still stall the clock and see if I have a Russell Wilson miracle finish. In that, in the worst case scenario, but it's Russell Wilson. You paid him a quarter billion dollars. 
a quarter billion. Like, no one's going to care if you don't get it. It's going to be all the stories going to be about, wow, Russell Wilson could have get it done in Seattle, not mad Nathaniel Hackett's an idiot. So, That's very, very interesting decision. Blame. Put the blame on Russell Wilson. He is making insane amounts of money for yeah. you. Like, let and him be the one that falls on the blame. And it's what he wants. That's what he complained about in Seattle that he didn't have. And I just think it's I think it's kind of funny. Like it's a little ironic that in this, you know, his first game is in Seattle, which was set up by the schedule makers, but that in that scenario, his coach didn't like what he complained about his previous coach doing, his next coach did exactly the same thing. Even actually less because they let him throw the ball in the Super Bowl on the goal line when they actually should have ran it. So it's just weird. It's just like funny to me that it actually kind of comes full circle and coaches will do dumb things. So you're going to find out that Pete Carroll had like somehow infiltrated the coaching staff of the Denver and was like, Hey, this is, this is what you need to do. This is for, for this game. <laughs> no. Yeah. And you could tell that meant a lot to Pete Carroll and to, into the Seahawks in general. But you, like you said, they play the Texans at home. Uh, then they play at home against the Niners. So they got a two-game homestand, and then they go at Las Vegas, home against the Colts, um, in Los Angeles against the Chargers, and home against the Jets. So I wouldn't say that there's a ton of easy games in there. Like you could, if you're going to pick the easiest, the Texans, Jets, obviously, but the 49ers, Raiders, Colts, Chargers, I mean, those are going to be some pretty difficult games. Uh, luckily, three of them are at home, uh, but still. Uh, they got their work cut out for them to avoid a really tough start to climb out of. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the 49ers, if we, if the Bears are as bad as we think they are and the 49ers lost to them, maybe the 49ers are not going to be great. I just always go back to that was a monsoon. I don't, yeah. I don't know what to pull from that game. Justin Fields completed eight passes. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to pull from that game. Some of, the best, some of the best photos out of football ever, though, coming from it's that true. game. That footage was awesome. Justin Fields' photo is pretty sick. Um, you know, and I always love because I think we find out a lot in week two, kind of to figure out what what is coming and you know down the line, like what teams repeat their performance, right? Because they it take it, you know you can get lucky once, but it's actually a skill to repeat it. So we'll get to that in our preview pod. But I am. You know, I, I was really impressed with the Ravens. I was really impressed with, obviously, the Vikings, in my opinion, um, and also the Eagles. I think the Eagles made a strong statement on the offensive side of the ball. And then there were some teams who didn't perform very well, but I think we've already covered them. So I'm excited. Um, I think that's, that that kind of preview of the season week one showed us that we're, we're in for quite a finish. And Thursday night's going to be a great game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Super stoked for that. Yeah, same. And I just the last thing that I want to end on is just like let's start a motion that NFL games should never there shouldn't be an option to end in a tie. I hate ties. I hate, <laughs> I, like I, a hate for, I hate that for the next like five months we have to say that the Texans and the Colts have a blah 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 schedule. It's so annoying. I, I like a random tie. Like if it happened, like where there, like a team ever, like if there's ever a team that ends up like two or three, and I know there's been teams that have been close, uh, then I'm like, okay, maybe we need to revisit some of these rules. But you know, it's kind of funky, and I think it matches. I, I love the the meme that came out of the Sunday where the AFC South didn't get a win, and two of them played each other. 
So that's just where, <laughs> as we talked about being the worst division in football, lived up to the hype on Sunday where, again, none of them got a win and two of them played each other. So, <laughs> um, well, cool. I'm excited for this week of football. I'm excited for what the Vikings have in store on Monday night against the Eagles. Uh, we will get to more everything, all of that and more in this later week episode of the Hisners podcast. Thank you.